Hello, my name is Richard. Welcome to the Traveling Marketer podcast. Really exciting topic, Bali. It is a hotspot um, with, you know, hotspot for tourists, hotspot for expats. Um, and, you know, a lot of people visit it for leisure. Um, but in this podcast, I'm going to go over three fun takeaways that I learned from my first trip from Bali. Now, this is obviously going to be, I'd like to keep these podcasts 10 minutes because you know what? You don't have enough time to listen to me ramble for half an hour. And I prefer something short and sweet rather than me rambling for too long. So um, for those who are new to the podcast, um, basically I'll look at everything around traveling, not just for leisure, but also work-wise. So it's a mix of both. If you travel, well, this podcast is for you. I'll be throwing tips and advice out as well during my visit. Um, but for this podcast, I'm looking at more interesting takeaways, which I kind of found interesting when I was in Bali. And the first one is the Bali dogs. Now, if you've gone to Bali, you would have noticed a ton of quotation mark stray dogs around the island. And you might think, okay, these dogs are probably, you know, um, they're having too many, you know, not enough desexing. And, you know, they're just having you know tons of dogs and just, you know, everyone's just... And the dogs are just going wild and, you know, stuff like that. But it's actually, no, it's actually not. A lot of these, fun fact, a lot of these dogs are actually not homeless. So around, he is um, from JTG Travel as well as some other websites which are found. It's actually, in fact, estimated that around 90% of dogs roaming freely in Bali are actually not homeless. So they're actually tied to a household in Bali. Um, it's interesting that most actually compounds or most homes have, you know, more than one dog. And these dogs are not necessarily pets. That's a big decider of um, a big distinction between Western culture and Bali culture. So these dogs are actually protectors. So it's a very spiritual thing. Um, obviously there is low sterilization rates in Bali, but the, the relationship between dogs and Bali, which I found is it's a more of a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, I actually found this fact when I was in my Uber driver and my Uber driver is really, I mean, sorry, not Uber driver, grab driver. And he was super to uh, talkative. And so I was like, you know, I'll take the opportunity to ask him questions, which I wouldn't normally ask. And one of them was about the dogs. And he was like, actually, you know what? All of these dogs are not homeless. And I was so surprised. And my friend and I were so surprised. And we looked it up and it's actually correct. And so the politically, the politically correct term is obviously Bali dogs, which is why I'm calling him that. So how, how it works is the dogs warn families when spirits enter their compound and when other threats are present. So... It's not necessarily a, you know, you know, at home when a dog barks and because, you know, a possum's on the roof or something like that. This is more actually like a spirit thing. Um, but they're also not just that, not spiritually, but also physically as well. Like, for example, snakes, dogs can warn them about snakes. Bali has a ton of snakes. If you walk out at night, you better be careful. You better have some light because, yeah, you better be. Yeah, I wouldn't walk around at night. But anyway, um, in addition to that, dogs, obviously, they eat the food waste on the streets um, and, you know, basically reduce the trash. So it's kind of interesting um, how that works. So dogs in Bali are definitely not the typical pets. I know I've seen people walking around with pets and collars and stuff like that in Bali, but the, for the majority, it's more of a mutual relationship between owner and dog. But it's actually really interesting considering that, you know, when you look around the island, it's kind of like, wow, there's so many dogs without collars and they're just wandering around and they're just doing their own thing. So it's really interesting that Actually, many of these dogs are not homeless and actually live in compounds. Five to six of them per compound, actually, it says here. 
uh, which is kind of interesting. Many of them are not aggressive, I found. Like, personally, we didn't bump into... Maybe bumped into one dog that was aggressive, but, like, we bumped, we, ro we rolled by, like, maybe at least 50 dogs during our visit, and none of them are aggressive apart from that one. So, honestly, it's a really interesting um, ecosystem. Um, and another fun fact is, Bali, since... Until late 20 2008, was actually rabies-free until it was actually introduced from a neighboring island. So, when people visit Bali, they think about, you know, these dogs that have, you know, let's not pat them because they're rabies. But actually... Before 2008, it was, they were actually rabies-free, um, which is astounding. But because of the um, being brought over from maybe neighboring island, and with the lack of immunization, now it's a bit iffy, so I would obviously be careful. So that's fa fun fact number one. Fun fact number two is orange juice is non-existent on Bali. I, man, like, I love orange juice. As an Australian, I love drinking OJ, and... When you, when I go to a tropical um, island or Southeast Asian island, I just expect good orange juice. Obviously, you can get stuff like coconuts and mangoes, obviously. But um, I for some reason, I just expect some good orange juice. Even though, you know, orange juice don't actually originate from um, tropics. It's I think it originates from China. Uh, let me just look it up. Orange juice origination. This is a podcast. No, it starts in the orange groves of Florida. So I was wrong. Whoever told me China is wrong but either way it is not um oh actually no this is wrong I, I typed in orange juice so orange origination so okay well that's interesting orange juice originates from florida there you go but orange does um originate from a region southern china northeast india and Myanmar. so is it a tropic fruit it's definitely not a tropic fruit but do i do i expect to be you know it in um in countries like Bali, I do. Um, but it is not a tropic fruit, but it is still a fruit that grows in tropical and subtropical climates, apparently. So it says here. So from with that, I do think orange juice should, I mean, orange juice, oranges in general should be pretty big in Bali and which in return, you could make orange juice with it. So what I found, sorry about a bit of rambling there. That is actually a bit of rambling. I found no orange juice. They're, so what they use instead is mandarin juice or tangerine juice. And honestly, I'm not a fan of that. Like, you could drink it. You, you can... None of my friends liked it. I don't think it should be in a juice format, those two fruits. Um, and they use it as a substitute for some of the more bougie cafes or some of the more, you know, expat type cafes when I ordered orange juice. Once again, pretty crap. Tasted like they put one part orange juice and ten parts water with sugar and... Um, yeah, like that. That one out of ten, basically. Um... And yeah, honestly, I couldn't find good orange juice. And that's really surprising. Um, it's a fun, fun little takeaway. Um, I visited like probably 10 cafes slash restaurants slash juice vendors, uh, if you want to call them. Like juice, I mean vendors that do specifically juice. And I ordered orange juice for all of them. No, couldn't find any. Um, so if you like orange juice, you're going to get something pretty sucky in Bali. And finally, my last takeaway is... How many expats are there in Bali? So I was surprised. I knew that Bali was a very expat-heavy um, country, but I'd estimate that when I was walking through Ubud, Kuda, all those areas, I'd say I was, it was a 50-50 ratio. I would bump into an expat more than a local at certain times. Um, and that's so surprising, considering, you know... Um, I mean, we are we were in a touristy area. I think Ubud was a bit more tourist... Uh, sorry, less touristy, obviously. Um, but it was so surprising. I thought that... It would, especially with COVID, that Bali would be, you know, a bit more local, localized right now before the expat return. But no, it's just 
expats over expats. And yes, we might have been treachering through expat-focused areas, obviously. We did visit certain, like, more local areas, you could say, like, outside of the main city areas. So um, definitely more locals there. But I just found that kind of surprising. Um, definitely still a very heavy expat culture. You got cafes which focus on providing, you know, for expats specifically. And, you know, everyone speaks English and everyone tries to sell, sell you in English. And obviously, it's a very, very friendly country, especially if, if someone asked me, what are the two, give me some countries to visit as a first-timer in Southeast Asia. The two countries that will come to mind are Singapore and, well, Indonesia in Bali, specifically. So, I've, you know, done pretty much 90% of Southeast Asia now. And I can safely say that Southeast Asia is very easy to travel as someone who, you know, most people speak broken English. But Bali speak, they speak pretty basic, decent English, actually. They can, you know, it's actually pretty good. Um, but obviously, Singapore is, you know, if it's the best country to visit if it's the first time, obviously, because English is a natural, uh, first language. So, or they're, they're a local language. So, but once again, really surprised with the expats numbers and stuff like that. I, I don't know if that's a takeaway, but it's just surprising to me. Hopefully, the two takeaways before that were more interesting. But either way, those are my three fun takeaways. Bali was a very fun place to visit. I think if it's your, if you haven't visited yet, definitely a great, you know, one week thing to do. Um, so I, I check it out if, you know, you haven't visited Southeast Asia yet and you want something a bit more less westernized because obviously Singapore is super westernized. It's literally, you know, you wouldn't, if, honestly, it's a great little place to visit. But if you want like an actual vacation with a bit more culture, a bit more local stuff into it, I do Bali over Singapore because you can visit Singapore any time of the day. Anyway, hopefully this podcast is interesting. Three fun little takeaways from Bali. Um, hopefully I see you in the next podcast. Don't forget to subscribe or whatever you want to notify button, whatever, whatever platform you're using. Just do something and I'll see you in the next podcast.